The Crowncast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Listen to your city at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. Hello, everyone. My name is Logan, and that, of course, means that you are listening to another episode of The Crowncast, and we are into our off-season content. And uh, it's kind of, I don't want to say it's going to be spicier than the season content, because the season content was pretty spicy. It was a pretty spicy season, but we have already found that uh, the off-season content is is going to have some conversations around it, uh, specifically conversations as to whether or not we buy people, we sell people, or we hold on to people dearly in our hearts. And here to have those conversations with me, as ever, is Justin. Hello, Justin. Hey, Logan. And joining us as a full-time now member of the Crown cast, it's Josh. Hello, Josh. Hey, guys. I was going to say, we've lost <laughs> Josh. We finally got nah. him in, and now, and now we've, we've lost him overboard. Uh, mm-hmm. No, guys, uh, so happy to have you with me today. Uh, we are going to be doing our uh, much-anticipated buy-sell hold for the Charlotte FC attackers in what? this window. What um, could we possibly mean by buy-sell or hold? Indeed. There's a man who has put in some work and he has described it very, very well. And so we're going to let him be the one who describes it. And that is Josh. You want to take us away? Sure. So the premise of this, um, when I thought it up, was if we're imagining Charlotte in two to three years, we are a competitive club. We are reaching the playoffs. We're winning games in the playoffs. Uh, Maybe we're even challenging for the cup in the playoffs. Um, Then which of the players on our current squad would be on that squad and would be valuable members? Um, And to get even more specific, what I mean by valuable members is people who are either starters, so nailed on starting 11 players, or heavily rotated people. Um, So think about someone like a third center back. Most good teams will have that. A fourth midfielder, if you're playing a midfield three, um, a third winger option. So guys who are going to get 20 to 30 minutes off the bench, I'm going to get some spot rotations or guys who are going to be absolutely in the starting lineup. Um, A few other notes about just sort of this premise is that there can often be questions of what is a player's sell-on value, right? Um, And and those are important questions, but setting those aside, I think the question should really be, if this player was on our team, would they be a starter and would they be helping us to compete for silverware? I think that's uh, I think that's fair. I think it's a good way to break it down. And uh, we will make a note in here that uh, we are considering people who might be on the bench who could fill in a bench role as people who we may want to either hold or buy. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. So I think like, yeah, anyone who I think is coming off the bench, maybe 20 to 30 minutes consistently, those are valuable pieces to have, right? Someone, you know, can come off, get you a goal if you need or um, prevent a goal if you're trying to hold on to a game. All right. Um, I think that about wraps up the the sort of what we're doing here, which means we can get right into it. And I have a little magical device over here, and uh, it was designed sometime circa a long time ago. It's called a dice. And I am literally going to roll <laughs> this dice to determine which one of us is going to, uh, to speak first on some of these players. We're going to start with the ones that we think are a little bit more maybe we have some agreements on and build up and build up to the spicier individuals. 
uh, the spiciest individual as ever being Justin. So Justin will be our last <laughs> buy, sell, hold. Uh, no, we love you, Justin. Uh, I think we start with uh, Vicinius Mello. Uh, everyone good with starting with a guy who, unfortunately, we have not really seen? Yep. Yeah. All right. Just um, a reminder for those Charlotte FC fans, this is a guy who was injured all year. He's 20 years old. He plays as a striker. Yep. He Supposedly. plays as, <laughs> as a striker. Um, anyway, uh, so the Magical Dice has told me that, uh, Justin, you're getting Vicinius Mello. Yeah. So, I mean, the guy's 20. He matches up with, you know, a lot of the young guys that we've got along this uh, attacking front three. Uh, He does play as a striker. There's a lot of hype for him. There's a lot of promise around him. But I think it was a torn ACL. Kept him out all year. We have literally not seen him play uh, uh, for Charlotte FC at any point during this MLS season. And because of that, I think you gotta call him a hold because we don't know. I mean, this is a, uh, this is he he may not recover. We don't know two years from now if he's going to be a valuable piece. He might be the bang on starter in the middle, uh, but I don't think that that given what we have seen from this season, you can call him anything other than a hold. Yeah, I mean, I'll jump in on Vicinius Mo. I do think he's a hold. Like you said, I think this one's pretty simple. He's a relatively tall guy. Um, I think he's like 6'2". Um, so he's not small. He's young. He's Brazilian. I, I think that if you can look at any place in the world and say, hey, the young guys are going to be technically adept and you know might really be good players, the, the way that people grow up in Brazil loving this game so much and it being such a big part of their lives... Uh, it's honestly, it's it's just a shame we haven't managed to see anything about him in our first year, but he's definitely a hold for me, Josh. Yeah, there's not much to say about him. Even when you look at his time in Brazil, he's not had a lot of game time at the highest level. He came from Internacional, I think. Um, I do believe it was, yeah. To Charlotte. Um, but yeah, there, there's just not a lot on him. Um, I can say I don't follow the Brazilian league, uh, unfortunately, but... As as uh, Justin said, everything you sort of hear, come, the whispers that come from, uh, you know, the club side, um, make him sound like he's a real prospect. So hopefully, you know, we see him sometime next year. Although I, I do think he has a little bit more competition now than he did when he initially signed for us. Yeah, uh, I think he was a, a decent a decent prospect. Somebody who looked like they might might grow into something. But one thing that I do think we all have to maybe take into account for this one is the fact that it was released very recently that Christian Latanzio has signed with Charlotte FC. He is expected to be the boss moving forward. Um, so I don't know if that colors you guys, you guys' image of this, but it does slightly color mine. Um, I think we move into Kerwin Vargas, and uh, the Magical Dice says that I am actually going to start with Kerwin Vargas, and that... Maybe it's not ideal because I don't feel like I have that much to say. I have found a couple things in Kerwin Vargas that I really, really like. Um, and when I go back through the season on Kerwin Vargas, he has a an ability to create and manage space that is really impressive and is something not regularly seen amongst young players. Um, uh, Josh, correct me, Kerwin is 20. Is that correct? Is he still 20? I think he's 20. Uh, yes, January 2nd, 2002. Um, so he is 20 years old for now. And you don't see that sort of 
ball control and mentality to draw players out of position in a young man that often. He has primarily played off the right and some off the left. Uh, and he has been kind of meh on all actual output. Uh, I feel like he plays as part of the team. He works hard. He puts in the defensive shift, but we haven't really seen any end product from him either in assists or goals. And so considering the time that he's had, I'm going to be a little bit vanilla here and I'm going to put him on a hold. I'll, uh, I'll jump over to you, Justin. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I, I got to agree with you. I, I think it, we talked about this during the season. He suffers a little bit from the, he looks like he plays better on the left and we have an over we have a wealth of players who look like they play better on the left. Um, I think he progresses the ball really nicely. I think he attacks the ball well. I think the final ball is missing. Uh, I, I think that his shooting, he's been unlucky to not score, but I, I he as the season went on, it felt more tentative. So I'm with you. I don't know if I look two years in the future, if I know yet if Kerwin Vargas is going to be one of the guys for this team or if he is going to be a guy who has, you know, already moved on. Maybe he's not getting the minutes here or something like that, and he's moved out of the side. So for that reason, I'm a hold on Kerwin Vargas. Yeah, it definitely feels like young talent that has not figured out much of the final part. You know, you, you say maybe he's gotten a little unlucky. He's only he's only gotten he's just under one expected goal for the whole year um and in his per 90 stats he's getting something like 0.13 expected goals um per per 90 and that's not uh that's not extraordinary statistics that's not stuff that makes me jump up and go this guy's really deadly he just he passes the eye test for me uh josh so one of the things that jumps out to me about um, about Kerwin, and, and I'm the same as you guys on a hold, it, it's kind of boring to say, but he's just so young and so little time that I don't think you can really say anything else about it. But one thing that I love is his delivery from wide spaces when it's a, from a set piece. And I think mm -hmm. that also speaks to a little bit of his areas for improvement right when when it's a live ball scenario i think he can sometimes struggle to actually pick out a cross but from a dead ball he can really whip in some really good balls there's some of the best i think actually on the team um so i think the next step is really him figuring out in game how do i get to those spaces to whip those kind of crosses to make those dangerous passes um but again he's you know he's about to be 21 in a, in a few months it's understandable that he's still figuring out those parts of the game. Um, as you said, also, Logan, you know, he does look like a willing defender, a willing team member, which is always something that I like to see, especially from, from wide players. Yeah. One of the sort of obscure points on him is, you know, we have talked about the fact that his, his cutthroat nature maybe isn't there at the very last bit, but his passing is actually quite good. He's at like 73.8% passing completion uh, throughout his time. And that's pretty good. It's up there with the best forward line passers. Uh, the real question is, is how do we take somebody who technically can pass and, and get him to, to pass further into dangerous areas? Um, you know, whether, whether that stat is, 
because he's making a little bit easier passes back to his wing back or or back into the center where no danger is coming out of those passes is tough to tell. And this is where statistics kind of let us down. You know, it, and I'm getting a bit off track. So, Justin, if I go more than 30 seconds here, stop me. <laughs> um, well, so, so right, you want to talk about some stats, the, the ones that I think are key. The percentage, it's 90% on short passes. It's only 43% on long. So he is, I think, playing the shorter ones. He's not playing a lot of progressive. It looks like only 17 across the season, which isn't ideal. And that's where I say I think there's a tentativeness to to the end product. Um, I remember a couple of really nice shots when he first got here that did get saved. And then I remember that willingness to snap it off and, and drive it towards goal tailing off. Yeah, I, so. I remember him just wanting to get the ball and drive immediately at the goal. I mean, it, he had a directness that I don't know what happened, but it's not there anymore. Although I do remember that being off the left. So maybe just everyone's better from the left. We <laughs> are uh, going to go ahead and move it on. We have holds across the board on that one. Is that correct, gentlemen? Yep. Okay, we're going to move on to Yordi Reyna. And uh, I believe that Yordi is going to go back to Justin. Ooh, let's get spicy. So... We're going to acknowledge that there is a lot of love and a lot of support from a lot of the community around Jordi Reyna. Jordi Reyna has his shot, and when he can pull it off, it looks great, and it scores for, for Charlotte. He's cutting in from the left wing to the top corner of the 18, and he's curling the ball to the far post, trying to sneak it in that corner. And when it goes off, it's great. Mm -hmm. That said, personally... I am a sell on Jordi Reyna because while he does that thing really well, I think other things that other players in this side do that are really, really important, Jordi does not do. I don't think that he links as well with teammates in the style that Christian Latanzio prefers, in a possession-based style. I don't think that he tracks back as effectively. And again, this is eye test stuff in terms of tracking back and, and assisting defensively. Um, although I think maybe some of the advanced metrics might support me on that. But but Jordi, to me, Josh, you've said this repeatedly, and I don't mean to steal your thunder here, but he's a moments guy. He's not a team player. And I think it's the perfect way to describe him because – I just don't see Charlotte FC progressing as a squad if Jordi Reyna is getting significant minutes. And for that reason, he's a sell. Uh, Josh, would you like to perhaps steal your thunder back from, from Justin, <laughs> who so rudely took it from you? No, I'm just glad that it's catching on. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think when you ask fans of Charlotte, what does Jordi Reyna do really well? I, I feel like a lot of what I hear is, well, he's tricky. But is he? Because when you look at his stats, you know, guys like Mackenzie Gaines are better dribblers than him. Guys like uh, Uzwiak are better, better dribblers than him. Or they'll say, well, he can score a goal. But he scored, I don't know, what, three or four on the season? Um, three on the season, and two of those came in, you know, that one game. So it just, there's, a, there's some moments that he can have in games that make you just sit up and pay attention. But most of the time, I think the game passes him by. And more importantly, and this is not a knock on him necessarily because he is way better at uh, soccer than I will ever be maybe at anything. Uh, but I think you can find a Jordi Reyna any time that you want. Some guy who's going to 
be a tricky dribbler in moments, get you a goal or two off the bench. He's not someone that I think has the skill set that demands a place in a squad, and especially in one that has real intentions of competing at the highest level. Yeah, uh, I'll step in on this one, and I will steal the thunder from Justin because I want the thunder. Nobody else wants it. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm going to say I think Jordi Reyna is a spectacular player from 12 years ago. Um, the game has evolved beyond Jordi Reyna. And that's not that his his skill couldn't do it because I think we have seen that his touch on the ball and and some of his his shooting, especially from that left side of the box, where again, everyone is better from the left, um, really is uh, monstrously good. The, the modern game requires a mentality that is fluid. It requires players who are willing to be out of position. It requires players who see uh, mistakes happen in their teammates and put in that extra 5% throughout 90 minutes to go fill that hole that opened up by mistake or fill that hole that opened up on purpose. If you look at the modern game and, and how many times do you see a, a center back far up top on the right wing hitting in a cross because the way that the fluid motion of the game shifted around them, that was where they needed to be. And at that point in time, the effective modern teams are usually having like a right winger in the uh, right back fullback slot. And the fullback has shifted into cover the, the center of the field. And they don't have to think about, well, they have to think about it a little bit, but, but this is, is natural to them. They're people who, who see the space and they fill it as effectively as possible. Jordi Reyna doesn't seem to do this. And it seems like he's a player who wants to sit in his hole and he's going to be there until it's his time to do his thing. And then when it's his time to do his thing, he's going to do it as best as he can. And then he's going to stop. And it used to be that, that you could be really, 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 really good at your thing, which I think Jordi Reynit rightfully is. And it be enough. But I think in the modern game, especially in the MLS, Everyone has to carry their own water. And I, I have concerns that Jordi Reyna does not fit into this team. And for that, no matter how good his shooting is, because I think it's really special, uh, he is a sell for me as well. Uh, gentlemen, sells across the board there? Yep. I think so. And and again, we recognize how many people really seem to love him in the, the fan base. Yeah. It's just, that's just our opinion, though. And, uh, you know, one thing that we'll say, because we're kind of at a bit of a halfway point here, that is important is we are not remarking on any of these people as people. You know, they are, uh, I we have never met anyone from the Charlotte FC players who has been anything other than fantastic and kind. This is about their performances on the field and whether or not we feel they will get us to the desired silverware. So um, we have done Vicinius, we've done Vargas, we've done Reyna, uh, let's go ahead and move up and we will do uh, Mackenzie Gaines and we will pass Mackenzie Gaines off to you, Josh. Uh, Mackenzie is a buy, 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 buy for me. Um, <laughs> I do want to preface this by saying that I am not saying that Mackenzie Gaines three years from now is going to be the best winger in the in MLS 
scoring 15 goals and assisting 20 times. However, Mackenzie Gaines possesses two traits that I think are either impossible to teach or really, really difficult to. The first is impossible, which is just pure pace. Um, Anyone who plays uh, FIFA will know that they did him dirty because he is not even the quickest player on Charlotte and FIFA. I think they rated him in the 80s. He is much faster than that. Um, Two is his runs that he pairs with that that speed. Um, I believe that he makes the best runs in behind lines that we have on the team. He times them really well, and with his pace, it puts pressure on a defense to always be aware of where he is. Um, There are some things he needs to clean up. His passing could be better. His moments when he's taking players on could be better. His decision-making in the final third could be better. With that said, I think we saw clear gains from Mackenzie Gaines, no no pun intended there, Um, that, that, that those things were happening. I think it would surprise people to know that he's tied for second on our team for this year in assists with four. Um, that also says a little bit about how we maybe struggled to get assists. <laughs> yeah, that might say a lot about us in general. <laughs> but I think it's important to note that also a lot of those assists came late in the season when we were playing some of our better soccer as a team. Um there are just, I think, a lot of things to like about McKenzie. I think that from what I've seen, I don't know that you want McKenzie Gaines as a starter for you. I'm not going I'm not gonna go that far. I do think he has the potential maybe to develop into one. But as a guy who could come on in the 60 to 70th minute when you need a goal and really challenge tired legs in a back line, um, I think you'd be hard pressed to to find better options at least that's my prediction moving forward uh i just think the physical tools are just there and the last thing i'll say because i I know i can kind of gush on him is that he he got 11.990s this year meaning he's he got just under um 12 full match games of time in his career, he does not have a lot of game time just in general. He has not played a lot of football no matter where he's been. Maybe that is a statement on who he is as a player. I tend to think it's more of a case where he just hasn't gotten that time for whatever reason. I think with more time, you're going to see a player develop. Even though he's 24, I think we should view him more as a younger player, someone who's 21, 22, kind of in that Kerwin Vargas mold. Yeah, um, I'll hop in on this one. I'm not quite as as high on Mackenzie Gaines as you are. Uh, I do think that you may have uh, have sipped the Mackenzie Gaines Kool Aid. I don't <laughs> I don't fully know where you got the Kool Aid, uh, but I am relatively high on Mackenzie. I have him as a hold, and I will explain why. And that is, I have seen a lot of really really good out of Mackenzie. Uh, what I have not seen is consistent delivery at the end. I have seen some delivery at the end, uh, but based on our sort of principles here of what makes a hold is do I need to see more out of them to think that they can be it, right? And this, I don't think is as much McKenzie's fault as it is a first-year team's fault that has not given McKenzie the outlet or us the outlet to really see what he's capable of. Uh, I think McKenzie is a bit of a, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, martyr is not the correct word. He is, he, is in, he is hurt by his own pace. 
And that is by the time McKenzie Gaines gets into position, he has left the other team's defense in the dust and also our offense in the dust. And what that means is by the time he looks into the box in order to, to, to find someone to pass the ball to, if he's lucky, there's one person there. And that one person is most likely surrounded by two or three defenders. So his pace actually creates a challenge for him in that we're not getting that many numbers up into the box. I feel like if we were able to see him in a team that was consistently getting a second runner in the box, and even better if we were to be able to see him in a team that was consistently getting a second runner and then a late stage runner, you know, that, that third run, that late run into the box that after that first wave passes, I feel like McKenzie would have options. And what that's going to require is the rest of the team knowing McKenzie gains better and preemptively making moves in order to take advantage of McKenzie's speed. Uh, this is how it's viewed in my mind. And that is a very complex piece of a puzzle that requires a lot of working together. The gears all have to turn in the right way at the right time with the right fit. But if it happens, we could find out that McKenzie's not actually a, a short passer. He's not actually not particularly good at finding a guy in the box. He's just been trying to hit one guy and credit to Justin because Justin, I believe it was you who pointed this out to me. He's just been trying to hit one guy this whole time, and his odds have always been kind of crap. Um, so I feel like I need to know whether or not Mackenzie Gaines is, if we start playing a style where we get more in the box, where he has more options, whether or not he his success goes up, or whether or not he genuinely has those challenges. Because at the highest level, I would expect that guy coming on late to to blast past those tired legs and then find that pass. And right now I have him at a hold. Uh, Justin, do you want to get in on this one? Yeah. So I'm going to split the difference here. This is like the soft buy right now. Um, no, no, no. No, no this is a buy. No. This is, this is a buy, but it's not as strong a buy as, as Josh's. I'm not, you know, Kramer slamming the button. Bye, bye, bye on this guy. <laughs> This is a buy from from me for Mackenzie Gaines. And what really did it for me is as the season progressed and as he got minutes, I saw improvement in the delivery. Go back and watch. Uh, I think it was the last goal against Philadelphia. And Mackenzie Gaines slots an inch perfect low cross in front of a defender and, it, it, you know, just out of the reach of the keeper for Danny Rios to tap in. Mm -hmm. Those are the the passes that I want to see. And those are the passes that I started seeing more from Mackenzie Gaines as the season went on. So that why, that's why for me, I think Mackenzie Gaines has moved from a hold to a buy. Um, I, I think that personally, I, I still believe that he should be starting on the right because I think of the players that are currently on our roster, he is the most naturally right-sided. And I think that, that yeah. he needs, he, he deserves that opportunity. And I think that he's impressed so far with what I've seen. And so I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised in a couple of years because we're still so unsure about what Kerwin Vargas is. I wouldn't be surprised because we know a little more about what Mackenzie Gaines is if he is a 
solid starter slash super sub for Charlotte FC. Yeah, I'll buy. Uh, I say I'll buy that. I'll I'll hold that and potentially buy it. <laughs> I do. I do like the idea of Mackenzie Gaines. I think. I think that he is one of those players who absolutely could, you know, be with Charlotte FC when Charlotte FC goes and clearly wins the league for the next four years. Um, uh, I think we move on. Any other final thoughts about Mackenzie Gaines? Anyone want to yell at each other? Nope. Uh, no? I just want. I just want to say I was Wolf of Wall Streeting the buy for him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you were all over the buy. Uh, okay, so I am going to move us along. And uh, we are going to go into Andre Shinyashiki. And I'm going to take Andre, uh, the Shinyashinkster, uh, the Shinyashiki boy, the Shiki boy. Uh, I'm going to stop making bad names for Andre Shinyashiki. I have Andre Shinyashiki at a buy, and I will tell you why. Andre Shinyashiki terrifies defenders. And you can see it in the way defenses play when Andre Shinyashiki gets on the pitch. Uh Andre Shinyashiki gets in the middle of three people and somehow he always seems to be the guy who gets his foot to the ball first. It is impressive. It's one of those, I had a, I had a soccer coach, a football coach when I was younger who described it as you can see the people who in their, in their mind, they have already won the ball before it comes to them. Right. Andre Shinyashiki, when he is in that up top position, when he's near the goal, he has already decided that that ball belongs to him and that anything and anyone in his way will be removed by whatever force he can bring to bear legally. Um, and it is, it's terrier-like. It is, this will be mine. I want it, uh, or not even I want it, it is mine. And as a result, he has that, I think that half second of pace that to, you know, reference another player, Ben Bender doesn't have because he doesn't have to wonder whether or not he can get the ball. He's already decided it's his. And so he just acts. And we have seen him put away some really, really good finishing this season. I think if you go back to his stats, he's well outperformed his XG. And there's two ways to take that. There is either a, He's gotten a bit of luck and, you know, there's always going to be a regression to the mean or B he has, he is a significantly better finisher than your average person. And either way, the best place you can be in football is significantly outperforming your XG. Nobody looks at a player who, who goes, you know, four or five goals back of their XG and goes, man, that guy's really who I want to play on my team. No, nobody looks at, at, at that and goes, well, you know, he's going he's gonna to regress to the mean and maybe next season he'll only score minus two on his XG. No, players who significantly outperform their XG are good. And he has the ability to play in crowded spaces to, to terrier, this is mine. And I do think he has some technical challenges that... Uh, may or may not be seen out the more he plays, but he wants to go directly at the goal. He wants to create danger. He's capable of doing it in between multiple defenders. And, and he looks like a player who's just going to continue to be dangerous on top of the fact that when he goes into the game, he scores goals. So uh, for me, Andre Shinoshiki, 
uh, though, again, we have to consider where he's going to fit into Latanzio's system, is a buy. Uh, I'm going to go over to you, Josh, on this one. So Andre is a buy for me as well. My biggest fear or worry with him continues to be how this team um, is going to deploy him. You know, it, it doesn't seem like they view him as a striker, but also not a winger and not a central attacking midfielder. Like, I, I just, I'm curious what their vision for him is moving forward because there clearly is one. They resigned him. Um, of course, I, I think it should also be noted that even when he was with Colorado, he was not necessarily starting um, all the games he was appearing in. Um, 2020 is the only year that he started the majority of the games he appeared in. Every other year, he's kind of been about 50%. Um, and I don't necessarily know what that says because it feels like when he you know, gets on the pitch, he produces. Um, so it kind of feels like he's just one of these players where it's hard for a club and a manager to figure out where he's best at, but they also know that they have to get him on the field at some point. Because, again, he's going to score goals. Um, that much, I think, is clear. I do kind of see him as a as a super sub type player just because of that uncertainty around where where he will play. Um, I would be curious to to try to get him into the starting lineup and get him a good, you know, five, six, seven run of games starting and playing a lot of minutes to see if we can't get that goal scoring in there from the first minute. Um, but even if he only ends up being, um, a super sub, this is a guy who could be really, really valuable because, you know, if you need a goal in the, in the final few minutes, he showed it three times or so this year that he can go and get you that goal. Um, and his first touch I think is just outstanding as well. You were talking about, you know, him wanting to go get the ball amongst players, but I also think just when, when the ball's passed to him, it, it really feels like it sticks at his feet which is really good to have from an attacking player. Uh, yeah, I, and I'll call out the the really good touch on Mackenzie Gaines as well because he deserves it. Uh, Justin, you want in on Andre? Yeah, I mean, Shin Yashiki's a buy. I, I think, you know, you were you were talking about it with Mackenzie and, and boy, it's very similar stuff with Andre. There's a, there is a world, there is a system, there is a manager who comes in and says, you know what, we're playing counterattacking ball. And we're playing Kerwin Vargas on the left, Andre Shinyashiki up the middle, and Mackenzie Gaines on the right. And we are going to see if we can dispossess in the midfield and then just release speed merchants. Um, and, and just guys who are going to get after the ball. And if you want to talk about a guy who I think could keep up with Mackenzie and be in a position to, to make a play on the ball, I'd love to see Andre Shinyashiki get that opportunity up the middle. I don't know. My only concern about it is, and you guys have said this, I don't know if it happens under Christian Latanzio, and Latanzio is now here for the long term. So, yeah, well, Andre I mean, I, 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 I will uh, put out here that Christian Latanzio is here for the long term in the same way that any manager of any football club is there well, for the long yes. term. Like sometimes, sometimes they get signed to four year deals and then they're gone the next week. So, Miguel Angel Ramirez had a four year deal, I think, three or four year deal when he started here. But, yeah. Um, but immediate future, it appears that Latanzio will be here, and those two have not seemed to connect. Um, one thing I will sort of make a point of here that I think makes sense is, you know, uh, Andre Shinoshiki is 25. Uh, I believe that Mackenzie Gaines is 24. Josh, is that right? Is he 24? He is. Yeah. yeah. Um, so those are a couple of players who 
are on the younger side of complete, right? They're on the younger side of prime, which means that in the next two or three years, by purely age curves alone, and I know age curves, everyone hates age curves, but father time is yet undefeated. Father time and mother nature yet undefeated. So, you know, they are going into the time where in two years, they could be the adults on the team, right? They could be the composed, but still incredibly physically dangerous players that that we can project them forward to be. And I do think that helps their both of their ratings. Uh, any final thoughts on uh, Shinoshiki? Uh, did I get Josh in, uh, on this one? Yeah, yep, you did. Um, then I, I think we move along from Shinoshiki. That sound fair? Yep. Yep. Uh, up until uh, Kamil Yazwiak. And uh, this one is going to go back over to Justin. I'm, I'm, I am about as high on Kamil Yazwiak as Josh is on Mackenzie Gaines. Uh, Yazwiak to me is, is uh, a, a hard buy. Um, I, I know, you know, this puts us in a weird position where I think a lot of the fans actually have not really enjoyed Yazwiak, but I think that his growth there towards the end of the season, when he was getting a, a good run of minutes in the same position, uh, he really showed what he can do. I think that unlike Jordi Reyna on that same wing, uh, Yuzwiak does all of the little things. He's a little terrier getting after the ball. He gets stuck in. Uh, he likes to link play with teammates. Um, and I think that he puts he, he puts a different kind of ball into the box. He doesn't arc uh, crosses in like Jordi Reyna does, uh, or, or even to a, a lesser extent, Kerwin Vargas, when he gets the chance out on the left. I think he likes cutting to the end line, cutting inside of the box, and then finding the low short pass. It's more difficult to get to that spot. But if you can do it, the pass that goes in tends to be more dangerous. And I like that out of Kamil Yuzwiak. I like the the way he is built as a footballer is the, the body structure is a kind of body structure that I like from a footballer. He carries a little bit more mass. He can ride out a challenge a little bit better. Um, and he just looks more willing and more devoted to Charlotte FC. And so for all of those reasons, I think that Kamil is a bolted on starter two years from now if we are playing uh, our best team all right uh josh on anything on this one yeah i'm i'm a i'm a buy on on Uzwiak as well um i think the left has to be his next year barring any kind of injury he has to be the starter because it was night and day when we moved him over there i don't know what that reason is i can't explain it because i know I know it can matter, but he's in his career, he has played on both sides. But for whatever reason, he just seemed to take off on that left-hand side. I think he was really unfortunate not to get a goal. You want to talk about um, with Andre overperforming his his XG. Yuzwiak uh, had 1.7 XG on the year, which is not a ton. You would like to see a little bit more out, out of production from him. But he had no goals on that. And there were a few that were bouncing off posts, especially late in the in the year. Um, he is someone who, in addition to those defensive duties, I think he is an improving dribbler. Um, his percentage isn't great, but I think he can get better at it. Um, and he, he also like McKenzie has speed. 
that much is true. I don't know if he's quite as fast as he was a couple years ago, but I, you know, when I looked into him first, when, when we first signed him, what jumped out to me was at the last World Cup, I think it was, um, or Euros, it was probably the Euros because he's 24. Um, he was the fastest player at the Euros. So this mm-hmm. is another guy who is just physically and athletically sort of off the charts. And so in a league like the MLS where physicality and athleticism can be so useful, if you can harness that and get a little bit of that end product back into his game, which he did have back in Poland, um, you know, everyone wants to look towards his time in England, which did not go well, but pandemic, Derby being a mess, all of that. Go back and look at his, his, his stats from, from Poland. That's where I think you see who he could be here. Um, I, I'm right there with, with Justin. I think in two years, he is our starting um, left winger, and I think he's producing really well. Um, I am not as high on Kamal Yazwiak as you guys are. Um, uh, he, I do have him as a buy, but much the same way that I, uh, I gave Justin trouble over saying someone was a soft buy, I'm giving Kamil a soft buy. Um, uh, do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> the 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 statement I have on Kamil is I have come around to Kamil. It's we don't run a podcast. We don't put our voices out there for the public to hear where we give our opinions on players ever. So there's no way you could go back like a couple of months to when we got slaughtered by L.A. and hear my opinions of Kamil Yazwiak at the time. Uh, that can't happen. That's <laughs> that's off into the ether. Right at that point in time, I Kama was playing on the right. We had seen nothing from him. He was not successfully dribbling. He could not connect a pass to save his life. He wasn't filling in the defensive holes. He looked like he had no idea where he, where he was supposed to stand. He looked like he wasn't sure whether or not he was supposed to use his hands. Um, it nothing seemed to be connecting for Kama, and I don't know what the switch was uh, except switching over to the left, like. I can't imagine that going from one side of the pitch to the other completely changes a player that much. But he went from, I felt like completely unusable to, oh my gosh, what is this monster that is destroying defenses? And I love that I have seen that change. I, I do. Like, I, I, if, if all I knew about this guy was his last couple games, I would be on the triple S tier by everything train, right? Because I do think he has the speed. I do think he, you know, if we project forward into the future, he's one of those guys that, like you said, is a terrier. He'll fight for the ball. He'll cover up space. He'll he'll run up the field as fast as those legs will take him, and that is fast. And he's another guy who can get in there with that same pace and help players like Andres Nishiki or uh, Mackenzie Gaines with that really, really high speed. He's another body that can and will get into the box and create threat and danger. And as we have seen, he will create threat and danger for himself, but also for others. He's not shy about seeing the better chance is elsewhere and giving the ball off to, to that better chance. Um, I almost had him at a hold because really, I just want to see if what he's doing can be maintained, right? Like what he's doing now is a buy all the time. It's just a question for me of whether or not I have seen enough from him that I think he's going to bring that 7.5, 8 out of 10 game 
in 70 plus percent of the matches. And if he continues to do that, he's a buy for me all day. Um, and I think he could be one of the one of the players who goes down in the early history of Charlotte FC. I mean, he's he's got a lot of talent. Um, anyone anyone want to make any final comments on uh, Yazwiak? Yeah, I just um, I think a lot of fans have been disappointed with him. I think they use the label of him being a designated player and hold that against him because the production for what you would like out of a designated player hasn't been there, right? Um, I will just say, and this is not about sell-on value or anything, Kamal Yuzwiak did not give himself that contract. He did not give himself um, the designation of a designated player, and I will never blame a player for taking money. Their careers in the grand scheme of things are very short. They should get what they can. Um, if you're frustrated about him being a designated player, I think that's more of a front office issue. And you have to put the blame on that on the front office, not on him as a player. Um, and, and that's something that I, I think and I hope people can get past is this idea of he has to hit a certain goal because he's this designated player. We have also seen in this in this league that Philadelphia has one designated player. You don't need a designated player status. You don't need a bunch of them to be successful. Um, so he's not necessarily holding us back by, quote unquote, taking up a spot like that. Um, and tacking on to that, he's probably not going to be taking up that slot yep. come this upcoming yep, yep. season. Salary cap goes up, general allocation money comes in, we buy down the contract, and all of a sudden, Kamli Yuzviak is just on an MLS contract. He's not a designated player anymore. Exactly. Yep. Um, I will say, I do think there are times that you have to you have to register a player based on what they came in to do. I don't think this is one of them. You know, I think that there are times that you go out and you bring a player in the club very specifically to shore up your defense. And that person might be a great passer of the ball, but isn't a very good defender. And then no matter what the contract money is, you have to, you have to align based on what they were brought in to do. He, in his, in his last games, he has been doing what I think he was brought in to do. And so I don't have any issue with with uh, Kamala Yazwiak, and I'm I'm really glad to see it because he's really turned it around. Uh, let's move on just for time's sake, and uh, we are going to get into uh, let's do Danny Rios. Danny Rios is a spicy one. Uh, <laughs> the the magical dice says that I get Danny Rios. Um, so uh, darn it, I actually wanted another one. Uh, but uh, <laughs> this is what happens when I let random chance decide things. Uh, Daniel Rios is, uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and say he is a hold from me. There is a ton of recency bias in that answer. Um, that is so filled with recency bias that it would sink a, a small cruise ship. Um, Danny Rios has not been a, a, an overwhelming producer of goals up until very, very recently. And there are some who could even argue that in his last performance, we saw a little bit of the older Danny Rios. I have Danny Rios as a hold for a, a couple of reasons. And I think I can hear Josh fuming in the background. So I'll try and make them uh, short. That is Danny Rios has the backing of Christian Latanzio. And no matter what else is out there, if the guy who is currently 
running your team is consistently going to the media and saying, this is my guy. This is this guy is a natural goal scorer. This guy has the ability to get it done right now. Because as much as we all want to think about, you know, two, three years in the future when uh, we have uh, Jude Bellingham because we're the greatest team that's ever played, as much as we all want to think about that, we have to play games next season. And Christian Latanzio, over all of the other people, over uh, Andre Shinyashiki, over Carol Swiderski, over poor Vicinius Mello, um, has said Danny Rios is the one that in training looks like he's going to score goals for this team. And whether or not his history backs that up beyond the last couple games, Christian Latanzio is the one making the decision. And Christian Latanzio is the one steering the ship. So I have not seen a, uh, I, I put this under the, I need more data. I have not seen a team built around Danny Rios. I don't entirely know that I want to see a team uh, built around Danny Rios, but I have not seen a team that, that stands out with Danny Rios intended to be the target. And one thing I can put to Danny Rios's credit is while I don't think he has the flexibility of a lot of modern attacking players, what he does, he does. Um, he wants to find his his last touch ball. He wants to be a tap-in merchant. He wants to, to get his head on the ball. He wants to be a physical threat to the defenders. He wants to make people work for it. We know what his weaknesses are. He doesn't have the best touch on planet Earth. Um, he's a bit one-footed. He uh, is definitely not the best passer. His hold-up play is sometimes amazing and sometimes non-existent. He doesn't get back and cover defensively as well as you would argue some others should. But what he has done is once he's gotten the backing of Christian Latanzio, he's gone in and he's done what Christian Latanzio said he was going to do. And so I feel like I have to see more before I either go, yes, this is going to be the guy, or before I go, no, put him on a boat and ship him off. Uh... Justin, you want to get in here? I think we may have lost Justin. So I am going to move us over to Josh. Josh, you want to get in here? Yeah. So <laughs> just like no one can go back in and find anything that you've said negative about Uzweak, there is no information either on a podcast or on Twitter that will show that I have ever said anything uh, bad about Danny Rios. Um, in all seriousness, I think that the end of the season was kind of magical for Danny Rios, and I loved every minute of it. Um, that Philadelphia game will live long in my memory as one of the wildest, most unexpected, most wonderful experiences, sporting experiences I will probably ever have. With that said, sell him. He is not someone who, I understand the point you're making, Logan, that you know, Latanzio has had his back, that, you know, he's doing what Latanzio wants, all of that good thing. However, I question whether he is someone that Latanzio trusts or he is someone that Latanzio has been forced to trust. If your choice is between a burnt steak or a raw steak, you're going to hype up the burnt steak. And that might be a little unfair to Danny Rios, but I think we have to understand his selection in the context of what this team was. 
And I do think that Latanzio wants a specific kind of striker up there, and I think he approximates that mold. But I think that you can and we should be looking for a striker who is more consistent with their hold-up play, who doesn't necessarily need to be dynamic as far as dropping back or linking a play or anything. We can find one of those poacher-type players but I think we can find better versions. And I think we need to find better versions of Danny Rios because I am still not sold that this explosion of goals that he had at the end of the year is in any way sustainable. I just, I don't see it in his history. Um, I didn't see it for the majority of this year. And I will be the first to admit if I'm wrong, if next year he is a starter and he scores 20 goals, I will happily take that on the chin and let everyone make fun of me for it. Um, You'd eat, I just you'd eat your head for that. I I would. Um, and I and again, in in cases like those, I, I love nothing wrong, more than to be wrong about that that sort of thing. I just don't expect it to happen. And I think that this team has to move on from players like Danny Rios if you want to be truly competitive. Yeah, I, I think for me, like like we said earlier, he just snuck into the hold, and it is entirely based on the fact that Christian Latanzio rates him so much. And with that backing, he seems to have responded to Latanzio. Uh, we're going to try this one more time and see if we can get Justin back. Hello, Justin. Yes. So for me, he's a sell. And, and, it, and it's a pretty strong sell, to be perfectly honest. Um, in addition to all of the stuff that Josh has said, I, I think that this, you know, I, I want to see him do well because I think he was trending well. He's 27 years old, though. If we're talking about in two years, 29s, we're getting to the back end of the the prime, especially for a striker. He already doesn't have great pace, and, and are we going to see that go further down? Um, I don't trust this particular trend to continue, to be perfectly honest, because it is incredibly difficult for any striker's trend of scoring a lot of goals, except Erling Haaland's, uh, to continue. Um, so I don't think Danny Rios is two years from now the guy up front if Charlotte FC is challenging for silverware. He should have been replaced by then with someone who brings a little bit more consistency, a little bit more pace, you know, just a little bit more of what Danny Rios has kind of started to show. Just somebody better at it than Danny. All right. Well, uh, no, uh, no punches held here. Uh, we are going to move into the, I believe it will be our last one in Carol Swiderski, and I'm going to hand this one over to Josh. Josh, you want to lead us into the Carol Swiderski discussion? Yeah, so Carol for me is a, is a buy. Um, I believe in Carol Swiderski's ability. I believe in his technical ability. Um, I believe that I think he showed something in that 10 role. I'm still not convinced that he can do it full time, but if we could get a system that allows him to drop back, um, and connect the play a little bit more than him being just a lone striker, um, I think we could see the best version of Carol Swiderski. Um, more importantly, I think that he brings. Um, I know. I know. I think I'll I'll uh, go against Justin a little bit with this. 
I personally like his attitude on the pitch. Um, I like how frustrated he gets on the pitch. Um, I know it can rub some people the wrong way, but his I view it as desire um, to to be involved and to get things going is something that I really like. His first touch around the goal could be better, and I know you want it better for a striker. Um, I know you, Logan, have talked about how you know he can struggle, and it's very it, it can be obvious that he can struggle to you know one time a a ball. But I look at him as someone who is still only 25. Um, he had 10 goals this year. None of them were were penalty kicks in his first season in the U.S. I think that there is room for improvement there, and I think that he could be a really valuable uh, starter on a team in a couple years. I do, I will say, I will caveat it with, I think it has been proven, and I haven't always thought this, that I think he does need someone up top with him. Whether we're playing 4-4-2 or whether you're playing a 4-2-3-1 or he's dropping deeper, whatever it might be, I will concede that I think it's been shown that he needs someone who can sort of hold up the play and he can link to so that when he does drop deeper, he has someone to go forward to. Um, but I think that that should be something that we as a club should be able to provide now that we know sort of what his strengths and weaknesses are. Okay. Uh, so, Justin, do you want in next or should I take over? Oh, I'll go. Uh, the striker, Carol Swiderski, is a sell. Here we go, and boys. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm real particular about that, right? Because Carol Swiderski is not the guy to play striker in this team under Christian Latanzio for the next couple of years if this team is going to win. Now, when we talk midfielders next week, maybe we'll talk about where Carol Swiderski fits there. I have a lot of concern about the idea of Carol Swiderski, the, the striker. Uh, you know, Josh, I think you may be right in that he's better in a top two if he's going to be a striker, but he had a couple of weeks where people didn't have any tape on him to speak of, where he was effective. And then the rest of the time he was the striker for Charlotte FC, he was ineffective. You, you, Josh mentioned that you like his attitude. You like his frustration. I like passion, but if you're not going to get these calls, it feels like arrogance if to, to keep trying to call for them when you know, they're not going to be called. When, when you're the only person who would get them called that way because the game is not being called that way. And I think it rubs a lot of people the wrong way. It certainly rubs me the wrong way to see. And I think it hurts Carol when he does get fouled because he has the reputation now as a diver. We saw it at the end of the season against Columbus. He should have had a penalty. But... Officials have seen him fall down too easily too many times. And I don't like that about it. When we want to talk valuation, if we, if we get into that later, that'll add even more color to this. But, but for me, I don't think Carol Swiderski is the striker for Charlotte FC going forward. I don't think he's a, he's a part of that front attacking line. There's an argument about whether or not he even should be in the, the 10 role, uh, you know, the attacking midfield role. But if he's going to be here, that's where he's going to be. 
Yeah, I, I'm going to weigh in here. And I, I have listened to both of your points and obviously ignored them entirely. Um, I will, I, I mean, I guess I just have to come out and say Carol Swiderski is a sell in in my book. And uh, Josh, it's not because I want to gang up on you. That's not what this is. Um, I sure feels like it, guys. <laughs> First new <laughs> well, host. Yeah. 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 Get the new guy. Um, uh, no, we don't do any of that here. Uh, we love everyone. My statement on Carol Swiderski is when I think about how Carol Swiderski succeeds, I don't know where it comes from. I say, if I look at the different types of successful strikers in the world, is Carol Swiderski a, a vicious terrier who really holds the ball well in a group of people? No. Is Carol Swiderski a, a 10,000 IQ ghost runner off of the the left to right shoulder of the last defender no is carol swiderski a absolute monster in the box who just consistently dominates all aerial challenges no is carol swiderski a lightning uh you know pace speed merchant who can just blister people away on the counterattacks? no is Carol Swiderski a, you know, super technical, incredibly effective shooter who can hit the ball one time on the turn in a busy area? No. Does Carol Swiderski do all of those things pretty good-ish? Yes. Um, but the, the, the feeling I have gotten out of Carol Swiderski is his most dangerous and threatening ability is his work rate. And I want to be perfectly clear about something that should get the praise it deserves because it deserves praise. But I feel like every time Carol Swiderski goes to touch the ball, it's either going to be spectacular or a total miss. And when I look at the players who have succeeded at any high, high level, I, I see them have a superpower. And in the beginning, I said, Carol Swiderski's left foot is his superpower. If he can get it to his left foot, he's unstoppable. But as the, the, the season wore on, we saw those mistakes come out of both his left and right feet. Um, and then I said, oh, well, Carol Swiderski is uh, always, always looking for some sort of clever ball or some sort of clever space. And the only person in the team he really linked up with in a clever way is Ben Bender. And, uh, you know, I think there's going to be plenty of things we have to say about Ben Bender, but Ben Bender was probably the best passer of the team, which would have given Carol the best opportunity to look good. Uh, the, I, I look at Carol and I go, this guy feels like he is always going to give me a, a 5.5 or a 6 in everything but he's never going to scare a defender in anything. And that may be unfair because maybe it's his first season. Maybe he has not really been able to, to, to turn on the jets. Maybe we haven't seen his best pace. Maybe he has been, uh, you know, not used to playing on the, the AstroTurf, the fake, fake turf. And so his touch is a little off. Maybe he's used to playing with people who, run into different positions and, and pass more effectively. But right now I look at Carol Swiderski and I don't know what he is. And this is not a player who we have had for 
800 minutes this season. He's played something like 2,300. And I don't know what he is. To the point that not only do I not know what he is, but Christian Latanzio doesn't know what he is because he took the nailed on, should have been your totem talisman striker, and suddenly he's being played as an offensive midfielder because he works really hard. And I, I don't know that that gets it done. I, I just don't know that that is is what this team needs for the future. Um, Josh, do you want to do you want to retort on that one? Yeah, I'll just say I think I think we are underestimating his passing ability. First of all, um, I would encourage people to go and these these stats don't mean everything, but but they do mean something, right? His passing percentiles, when you talk about forwards and the the types of passes that he can pick out, are really good. Um, he is in the um, he's in the you know 89th percentile for medium passes completed. He's in the 85th percentile for long passes com- completed. He's 78th percentile for passes into the penalty area. Um, yes, I'm just sort of randomly picking some good stats to prove my point. And there are some that he struggles with, right? Like I would like to see someone have be a little bit better at, for instance, key passes. But my mm-hmm. point is, is that I think that that is a very underrated portion of his game is his passing ability. I do believe that he has good passes in him. I also think we have to remember who he played with up front with for a good portion of this year. And I mean, it's always difficult to to prop up a player by talking bad about other players. And so I know this is sort of a tenuous argument to make. But when his his front mates in the attack were early season Daniel Rios, Rios early season Mackenzie Gain, Christian Ortiz, uh, Jordi Reyna, a young Ben Bender, right? When you have someone who I think is probably used to playing with a slightly higher caliber of player, there are times in games where I think he makes a pass or he makes a decision that looks like he messed up, where he's expecting something from another teammate. Now, I'm not in that room. I'm not on that field. So it could very well be that Carroll is the one who's messed up in that situation. I don't want to make a definitive statement that he's always correct. But... I think that he brings real quality to this team that when you put better and more consistent players around him, players like Nuno Santos, players like Nathaniel Byrne, um, maybe arrested Brant Bronico, right? A, a, a latter end of the season, Camille Uzwiak, if he can continue that forward. I think you're going to see a very good Carol Swiderski. And yes, he went through a long period this year of not scoring goals. But on a team that regularly struggled to score goals, he had 10 of them. And, and we have to acknowledge that when we talk about, you know, is he a talisman or not? I mean, for this team, he kind of was. Yeah, I mean, I guess my counterpoint here would be... it. My counterpoint would be he was a talisman by not really achieving that which we wanted to achieve right um is your is your talisman the guy who gets you left out of uh playoff spots and you know the the ultimate truth and it it is difficult to say is this is somebody adapting to a different league it's somebody who 
we definitely weren't able to see everything he brought to the table, but I think we saw a lot of it could be that, you know, he continues on and and like any of these players could continue on and, and really develop in an incredible way. Uh, but it could also be that we've seen what it is. And uh, I, I think really quick, 30 seconds, final thoughts, Justin. Well, I mean, uh, one last thing on Swiderski here. It, remember that we're talking about them as strikers. We're talking about the attacking three for, for Charlotte. And that's a big reason why I list them as a sell yeah. as a striker especially as a sole striker in a front three, he's not going to be good enough. If we talk for just a second about, uh, you know, valuation and things like that too. um, He has an opportunity, I think, to have a good world cup. If he gets some minutes next to Robert Lewandowski, he plays very well. Like we said, in a, in a top two, in that kind of situation, best case scenario for us, this is a sell for all the right reasons because he has a great world cup. And we sell them for a lot of money. And then we buy somebody that, that fits better. And it clears players like Nuno Santos to go play the 10 for, for Charlotte. And we can find a new you know striker to sit in front of him. Or maybe Daniel Rios plays better with Nuno Santos playing in the attacking role behind him. Yeah. Uh, I, I do think that you know one of the players you have to talk about their potential evaluation for from a business perspective is uh, Carol Swiderski. And he very well could be worth a number that you just say, yes, we sell Carol Swiderski. Like, even if we think he's going to be the centerpiece of our team for the next six years, at this number, we sell Carol Swiderski and we rebuild. Um, yes. I, I will just say that even as someone who just defended him, there is no player in world football, in my opinion, who does not have a valuation that if it's met, you get rid of him, except for Bukayo Saka. Uh, <laughs> but aside from him... Um, <laughs> If there was a rumor a while ago of 15 million for Carol Swiderski, I just told you why I think he's going to be really good for Charlotte moving forward. If a team comes for Carol Swiderski, I will drive him to the airport myself because that is a valuation that you cannot pass up, in my opinion. Um, and as you said, Justin, that would be the kind of money that you could reinvest into the club to make the club better. I think we are going to go ahead and hold it there because we have definitely not made this a short one. Justin, uh, I think we do want to do a little bit of news really quick here. You want to go into the news? Yeah, let's let's quick hit a few things. Obviously, the big one is is Christian Latanzia with the the new contract, uh, three years I think for uh, to manage the club. At the same time, they extended a lot of the um, administration as well. Uh, the the director of football, uh, Zoran, uh, got extended. The uh, head of scouting. You know, these are players or these are are. Figures in the club who have brought in players like Nathaniel Byrne, players like Nuno Santos, players like Adelson Melanda. And so I'm very happy to see them get extended. Uh, also got confirmed that there is a closed door friendly against what currently exists of the soon to be expansion MLS side, St. Louis, uh, that is going to be played in two days uh, from this recording, the 28th of October. Uh, where you know we talked before about Latanzio getting some time after the players got a little bit of a break to bring everybody back, um, uh, get some get some more minutes for these guys as these playoffs continue uh, elsewhere in MLS. So um, good to see though that there is some stability relatively early in the off season. 
for Charlotte FC, given them an opportunity to, you know, continue building on what was a promising end to the season. So important to call out that those those changes have come through. Um, and uh, it sounds like there's going to be a little bit more Charlotte FC uh, football. I don't know that we're going to get to see much out of it, but if we do, we'll be sure to let everybody know. Uh, yeah, very important to call that out. And I do think something we can mention really quick is that uh, we now, since we have Christian Latanzio confirmed, uh, we can say that it's probably fair to set expectations. We are looking at a project. Um, we are looking at a young manager, first job, and we are probably going to see the ups and downs of a project. And, uh, you know, my sort of last thoughts for today are going to be get ready for that because projects are always interesting. Sometimes they turn out really, really good, but this was definitely not the surefire bet. This is the, this could be fantastic. We'll find out bet. Uh, Josh, final thoughts from you? Just that I'm actually excited to see what Latanzio can do um, when he has time and when he knows what role he'll have. You know, being thrust into the manager position is a tough one. Um, as you said, he's new to it. So I am going to be watching him closely. There are some things that I definitely think he needs to improve on, but um, I, I do think that we can see improvement. And I am excited that, you know, it's finally done and we actually know he's going to be the manager. Yep. There it is. Uh, this has definitely been a long one. So as ever, if you have spent your time with us, uh, dear beautiful listeners, we love you. Thank you so much. And we will talk to you again next Wednesday, uh, where we sort of pass the attackers along and we start looking at our midfield for buy, sell, hold. Goodbye. Queen City Podcast Network.com.